Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast, where we unravel the enigmatic realm of imposter syndrome. My name's Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis. We're two agency owners who've boldly faced the reality of imposter syndrome. We'll share relatable stories and practical insights that empower designers and business owners just like you. Together, we'll help you conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Get ready to unveil your true brilliance. Welcome to Design Imposter. Welcome back to the Design Imposter Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Monique Jenkins, and today we're going to discuss a topic that's becoming more and more vital in the design world, and that's representation in design. If you're unfamiliar with what representation is, per the Oxford Dictionary, representation is a description or portrayal of someone or something in a particular way or is being of a certain nature. An example of that is seeing people of your race, religion, sex, or a million other attributes represented in places and spaces so that you can imagine yourself there. Representation and design is so important to my business. It fuels so many of my extracurricular activities with nonprofits that I'm a part of uh, and businesses that I want to bring into you know, my respective business and work with. Uh, and I try to make sure that it's reflected in all of the work that you see presented on my site. Monique, this is definitely your area of passion. This is your niche right here, underrepresented minorities. But this is something every business owner needs to be conscientious of. When it comes to representation, there's more than one type of user. In addition to race, you need to be considerate of demographics such as age, religion, education, and gender. And while you want to be considerate of your niche, you want to ensure your company is inclusive. 100%. I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but... Uh, we are talking about, I think you were talking about um, how um, older women are portrayed in advertisements and how they always have like the gray hair and that's not yep. representative of like your grandmother or mine's for that matter. Um, and that is like a trope that you see pretty often and it's not representative of every, you know, older woman that's out there in industry. And you kind of see those images get recycled and reused and they become, you know, stereotypes for what this person should look like. Um, so representation is essential because it ensures that designs reflect a diverse user base uh, that will interact with it. It is absolutely about inclusivity and understanding different perspectives and creating designs that speak for everyone. Jess, can you give us a, an example of how lack of representation can impact design? Absolutely. I remember this one time that I was looking into getting solar panels for my roof and a representative came over, mapped out the square footage, and was discussing some of the perks and benefits. She had some brochures with her, lots of greens, because green is, you know, for energy and efficiency. And then there was a lot of deep oranges um, for some of the text. And I realized the colors won't work for everybody. Like my dad, who was colorblind, uh, it was orange text over a green background, and he wouldn't be able to see it. I told her that. And of course, the representative, she has nothing to do with the design. But considering one in 12 men is colorblind, that's a large percentage of potential buyers who are going to be missing out on critical information. So in this regard, the representation necessarily is in the imagery of, you know, my father and the people like him. But the representation is recognizing an impairment of the colorblindness. Likewise, consider a mobile app that's designed without considering the accessibility needs of visually impaired users. The lack of representation in the design process can lead to a product that's unusable for a significant portion of the population. And in UX design, empathy plays a key role in ensuring that we understand um, 
our users and we design with all users in mind. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there have been so many celebrities that have been sued recently because of a lack of accessibility in design. And I think accessibility, representation, and inclusivity is incredibly important when you're designing something and you need to take all three of those things into account. But not being representative in your content and your accessibility can be a costly mistake for organizations to the tune of millions of dollars. I think the celebrity that comes to mind for me is Rihanna. I think her site did not have any alt tags uh, on any of the images on her site. And I think uh, someone who was using a screen reader sued her for, I don't know, maybe three to five million. Yeah, I see this problem all the time, especially when my clients are providing me images. And I tell them, rename the image from image 65 to Jessica Vallis stands by the window and it's raining, dot JPEG, because it's much more descriptive. And when you upload the image, somebody who has a program that reads the images to them, that is going to read better than image 65 because they're like, I don't know what the heck that is. So use your descriptive language um, for your users. But also, side note, Google will penalize you if you don't do this. So, yeah. Yeah, you have to keep those things in mind. And I think that's more about, like, being organized and how you, like, redesign or restructure a website is that, like, these are due diligence that you have to think about. And they are very tedious. You could have 500 images on your site and all of them need to have alt tags. Um, and the code needs to be written in a way so that if a screen reader has to intersect with that, that it comes off properly. And I just don't think people do that as often. Yeah. And then um, there are tools too that can help you. So if you have gone through and you've relabeled all of your images, for example, like Jessica Vallis by a windowsill, then if... You, I mean, you have to go into the image once you've uploaded it and type that in. But there are plugins that if you have the descriptive file name, it'll take that file name and make that the alt text for you automatically. So you're not going through manually and duplicating uh, and redoing Whoa. redundant work. So that's kind of a cheat, especially for some of my larger clients. Um, like I have a radio station and there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of images. So... Um, I'm trying to, you, you know, encourage the rename it and then, you know, we'll at least do that because it's, it's a lot of work to be accessible. Yeah. And it, I don't think that like people are like, oh, I'm just a small like website, like no one's going to care or no one's coming to my site, but you never know what audience you're touching. Like, obviously you want to be intentional about the audience segment that you're going after and you want to do your due diligence and look at your own data. But you also want to make sure that in the event that someone does come to your website, that you're able to, um, they're able to use your site in a way that seems logical. And that's as simple as like, I think you need to have the ability to use a tab button to get across your website. So to go to all of your CTAs and images and all those different things, those are things that are accessibility issues that people need to look for um, and are representative of specific populations. So just be diligent about those things. Um, so... Jessica, what do you, how do you think representation ties into graphic design? Well, in graphic design, representation means using imagery and visuals that reflect the diverse society we live in. Um, it's about avoiding stereotypes and creating designs that resonate with different cultures, genders, and backgrounds. 
Yeah. So representation doesn't just make ethical sense, it makes business sense too. Exactly. By embracing diverse perspectives, designers create more innovative, relatable, and effective designs. In the end, that leads to more satisfied users and potentially higher business returns. If I have a client that mostly identifies with retired white couples based on the demographics of their location, um, I'm going to make sure the imagery reflects this. But I'm also going to make sure that I'm adding a Black family, Latinx, or blended families because we miss out on opportunities when we singularly focus on one type of individual. And you have to show that your business is inclusive. So if somebody does come, maybe you do work primarily with, you know, retired white men. But if somebody is a retired black man and they don't see themselves on their website, they're going somewhere else. So for you, does is it you will, oh, I only work with white men? Or is it, well, most of my clients are white men. But, you know, I'm going to add imagery here that reflects for anybody so you can see we are an inclusive business. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, with like blended families, like you never know. Even the white men that you are specifically targeting for your website, they live in the world and the world is inclusive of a bunch of different people. Their family dynamics are made up of a bunch of different, you know, things. So, you know, you just need to be kind of thoughtful of that. But As a person of color, I know that I'm always looking for more people who look like me in different spaces. And I think that we've gotten to a place where we are seeing more Black people representatives uh, represented in different spaces and in different places that I don't think that we did probably 10 or 20 years ago. Um, But that doesn't mean that I only want to see Black people. It also means that I want to see people who are differently abled. And I want to, and and not just one type of Black person, because they love to put a Black person inside of a commercial with a little song and dance, a little ditty bop. I don't like it. I don't like it. Every single time I see someone shucking and jiving in a commercial, I'd be like, no. Or what about that client we had where they focused on minorities and they only wanted very dark black individuals? And you were like, that's not my shade. Yeah. There's more than one type of black. There's more than one type of brown and Caucasian. Exactly. We are a diverse subset of people and Black people, all spectrums. We, the lightest of lights to the darkest of darks, blonde, blue-eyed, all the in-betweens, we in there. Um, but it, I think that we have to do a better job of making sure that even outside of race that we incorporate things, uh, differences in who we are and what we wish to see. Um, and I always think about that as I'm kind of designing. So how can designers ensure that they're incorporating representation in their work and not just representation of people who look like them, but representation more holistically. Research is key. Understanding your audience, involving them in the design process, and maintaining a focus of empathy and inclusivity can lead to a design that truly represents its users. And you as a UX designer, you get to do this every single day where you're taking those steps to understand the user. And when you don't have that UX background or aspect of your website redesign, you're kind of losing out on this. So what about you? What are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I would agree. I think research, researching different ways that you can be representative is important. I have seen websites that are super effective at interacting with screen readers. I've seen, you know, websites that are really good about, you know, being inclusive of people who have dyslexia. Um, So the font changes and the color scheme changes based on what um, someone is trying to do. And it's not even that you have to necessarily do that on your site, but you can, you know, add a plugin 
like a third-party plugin that you can incorporate on your site that gives you a variety of options that you can do to make sure that your site is accessible on all of these different levels. Um, I don't think that we know about as many of them as humanly possible, but there are a couple and we should totally do an episode on how you can integrate third-party accessibility onto your site to make sure that you are being representative of that audience segment. Absolutely. Um, Real quick, yeah. though, I know that on your phone, for example, um, when if you're, for example, uh, visually impaired, like your phone will read the text. So for, yeah, I mean, you know, you can use script. The phone's going to read it. But I mean, for somebody who is dyslexic or, yeah. you know, has difficulty reading, when you use those scripty fonts, Maybe you're not alienating the people who are visually impaired, but you're re you're alienating those who are not going to be able to make out what the letters are to begin with. So you yeah. you have to be considerate of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the way the app works is that you design it. So, you know, I'm a fan of Poppins right now. That's my font. That's my go-to font. Are right. <laughs> and Poppins. Uh, but yeah, you can like design it in Poppins. And then there's like a, just like you have like the little chat box at the bottom of your, um, the bottom of your computer screen and then you, it pops up and it tells you a bunch of stuff. This will pop up with like an accessibility kind of pot. And then you're able to change the settings on that in order to, um, in order to change how accessible the page that you're looking at is depending on what you're, what, you know, what's happening with you and, and what you need it to be, which I think is super interesting. I've not used it yet, but I'd want to incorporate it on my own website uh, to make it more accessible. And I've been looking around at a couple of different ones to kind of see which ones kind of work. So uh, all of that to say, being representative in the world that we live in, it's absolutely imperative um, and that you should do that in all of the things that you do and all of the sectors that people work in um, in order to just create a better world for everyone. Uh, but I do have a question, uh, which is not a question we prepped for, but I asked, um, I put it in there anyway. Okay, you, Jessica. all right. <laughs> Uh, what would you do if you had a client who did not want to be representative in the work that you were creating for them? So I know we had a, a similar situation before, but if someone was like, nope, I don't want those black people on my website, or I'm, a, I'm not going to use black because that's essentially the subject <laughs> right now. I don't want the white people on my website. <laughs> uh, what would you do or how would you like have that discussion with your client? Okay, first I'm going to flip it because I had a client who was checking out one of my previous designs and she only looked at like one page of the website. And she was like right on the cusp of signing the contract. And she was like, Jessica, um, I'm a little concerned looking at this site because I only see older white men on here and I need to have representation on my site. And I was like, whoa, 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 you didn't see the whole site. I was like, representation is a pillar. Diversity and inclusivity, that is a pillar of my yep. business and my life. And, and, you know, education is among that too, those pillars too. Um, but if somebody, if I was in the middle of a design and someone was like, yo, don't put those white people on there, I'm going to put them on. And you can you can change those pictures after the fact. But you need to realize, like, my name is on this, too. And yeah. we or we can just stop the contract right there if we have a disagreement and you'll just pay for the work that's done. And then you can take your design to someone else. I mean, fortunately, I've not had that incident happen. And I think when we've talked in the past about feeling out your client if you're getting certain vibes, if they're dropping some kind of, you know, they're joking in a negative way and you sense okay. that hate, you know, you know, that's not the client for you. And that's, you know, that's not how I align my business. Yeah. Have you had that happen to you? Uh, no, because I think that the base of my business is about supporting 
women of color. Um, so I don't think I've ever had that problem. And we vet our clients. So like we, you know, at, like we talked about before, like their questionnaires from my side of the house, there's a vibe check. I call them. I'm like, hey, can we work together? You know, I throw a couple of jokes out there, see if it lands. If it doesn't, I'd be like, um, so I, I think that we do due diligence in that sense so that we could potentially get that vibe. And I haven't had this experience as of yet, but I'm not, I'm willing to drop a client in a second. I'm not doing this with you. Um, because I get paid up front. I, I accept all of my revenue in, in the first payment. So once, and it's in my contract, once the payment is cashed, there are no refunds, there's no interjections. And there's a bunch of stipulations inside of my contract about the fact that like, you know, if we come to a place where there isn't agreement or alliance, both parties can exit this without any repercussions. There will be no refunds. But, you know, I hope that you find success with another designer who is more inclined to design in the way that you think and you want. But because, you know, design by either of our businesses is a big investment, I would think that the client did their due diligence on us just like we do their, you know, our due diligence on them. So not at this point, but we'll see. Yeah, I think this might be a really good clause to include in your contract as well, or even just to have something like this on your website. Like, for example, I think I've started to prep a page about this, about like my core pillars. Um, and one of them is, I've said before, education. Another is diversity and inclusivity. Um, and so you can have on your website, like this is a core pillar. And, you know, if these don't align, then we won't align. Or yeah. to have you know, maybe somewhere in your contract, you know, that, you know, you you refuse to do anything hateful or something that excludes a certain demographic um, based yep. on hate or, you know, something negative like that. Um, well, this is to protect yourself even more, but also just to show, I mean, you're not down for that. I'm trying to think through like recent advertisements and things like that that I've probably taken in over the past couple of weeks to see what group I think is more underrepresented right this second than any other group. And it, I think that for me, it's always people who are differently abled. I don't see as many of them in movies and pictures and graphic content on like super fun websites. And I, I think I was like watching a video the other week about a father who built a like, what's it, amusement, some type of amusement park for his daughter who was in a wheelchair because um, typical parks like Disney World or, you know, Six Flags or whatever the case is, like they can't, um, they uh, don't have the capacity to allow those people on those rides because they haven't built with accessibility in mind. And like how I don't see that reflected, even in the things that we do. Like I think I was buying like tickets to Baltimore Ravens game and my father needs a wheelchair and I could not find seating for him at all at the game. I don't know if like all of the seating, I'm sure all of the seating had been taken, but I was like, what do they have? Like 20 or 30 seats? Like you need more seats for people or wheelchairs so that I could bring him. Uh, Cause he has early onset Alzheimer's. So we're like trying to get him to get out and like be more like active and in the world. And he watches football religiously every single Sunday. And I felt really bad that I couldn't find a game in the next like four or five weeks uh, that I could take him to because there wasn't seating and he cannot walk through the stadium, yeah. especially not with his like, yeah. but I, anywho, I went all to, of that to say. Yeah, I went to Hershey Park a couple of weeks ago with a friend and um, we stood in line for this one roller coaster for like an hour and we get up and um, she, she has very wide hips and um, 
she couldn't fit in the seat. And they were like trying to shove her in there. And she's like, no, like my hips are wide. I, I cannot fit in this seat. And I said, do you have, you know, a seat for wider individuals? Because I feel like a lot of rides do. It's usually like in the back. There's a designated row on like every <laughs> set of cars that come through. And I mean, these are just teenagers, you know, working their summer mm-hmm. job. And they're like, no, we don't. And then, you know, so I end up going on the ride by myself. I hate it because it's not inclusive. I can't enjoy something with my friend now. Yeah. And I got off and then, you know, we looked up and I was like, oh, man, that that guy looks really, really big, like bigger than you. And somehow he got on that ride. So maybe there was a special seat, but there just weren't enough to be inclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of. All right. So. I, this has come up a couple times, and I'm going to call it, like, diversity stuffing. Um, and it's when you're watching a show, and there is, like, you know, the the white teen, the black teen, the LGBT uh, person, there's the friend in the wheelchair, there's uh, somebody else who's experimenting sexually, and... Like, how do you feel about that? Is that like a true representative, a representation mm-hmm. of society? Or do you think like sometimes it's like trying to be too much? I think sometimes it's trying to be too much. Uh, I don't think that you have to have, you don't have to have all of those people in the same scene with each other. Like you could spread it out across a couple of like, like a, like a if, you, if it's an hour and a half, like you could spread it out. They don't all have to be breakfast club in it sitting in the same room together for no <laughs> the misfits crew <laughs> we're diverse yeah. and this whole show is about diversity exactly yeah I, I hear a lot of this from people who watch disney movies and like the new stuff that comes out like they'll be like oh for the very first time disney shows a, a lgbtq couple and they're like no it's they've been in there for a while and then people why are they just shoving it in there like not every family is you know like this so um kind of a you know it's kind of a controversial thing we're entering this new era where obviously we're trying to be we i say we as like a society not we as you and me we as a society are trying to be more accepting of diversity and accepting people for who they are as they are um and obviously there's still a lot of individuals who are not okay with this or there's religious conflicts and and everything um but be you know it's just things i hear as I'll be like, oh, did you see this show? What did you think? And they'll be like, it just felt like too much. Right. You know, I couldn't relate to anything because they just shoved in every demographic trying to please everybody. Yeah. I'm trying to think of that Netflix show that does it. It's like the one where there's like a school shooter or something. And then the net, I, I, I hate the show. I don't know what it is. It's like 15 seconds, 10 seconds, something seconds. Words and then seconds after. And the seconds <laughs> might not even be in there. But I'm like, come on, bro. Come on. Like, come on. Now. We don't have to do this. Like, we don't have to do this. I, I don't love it. So, yeah, I think that there is a balancing act between using representation for good and then just shoving a bunch of, you know, people onto a site just to be like, yeah, no, we're, we're accessible. And it, it's not even about just, like, the visual imagery. It's about a holistic holistically being um, representative of different people and populations and things like that. And I think that like, from by and large, I think that people think of representation as like, if I could just showcase someone of a bunch of different races, that's enough when that isn't enough. 
Yeah. And you know what? If if you're not going the imagery route, it, that's fine. I have plenty of client sites where they don't actually show people aside from their teams. And that is 100% okay to do. So instead of having an image of, um, you know, a diverse family, if it's an accounting firm, maybe they're just going to put a picture of town because they're really big into their local community or something. And I think that's mm -hmm. totally fine to do because you're showing the inclusivity of your town and it's not just some generic stock photo. Um, yeah. So again, like you said, it's all about the holistics and the feel of everything. Yeah. I think this is probably a good note to wrap on because uh, we want to have a separate episode about accessibility. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Join us next time for more deep dives into the fascinating world of design. Until then, keep designing with empathy, inclusivity, and representation in mind. See ya. Bye. As we wrap up our captivating journey on today's episode of Design Imposter, we want to leave you with an empowering message. Self-doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential. Embrace the power of your unique voice, trust in your intuition and abilities, and continue creating fearlessly. Remember, you belong in this space and your contributions are immensely valuable. Know that you are never alone on this journey. We stand by your side, ready to support and celebrate you and your business every step of the way. Thank you for joining us today and being an essential part of the Design Imposter community. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us at Design Imposter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and leave a review to help other imposters find us. Until we meet again, keep those headphones ready.